first when I was sitting there, I was thinking, oh, I wish I went first. And uh, as I was sitting there, I knew what I was going to start off with, and I was going to talk about the history of St. Angela. And the last time my mother heard me spoke, speak, she's sitting right there, I was the first one to speak. And there were 12 people after me, and uh, she never really complains much, but when I called her afterwards, she goes, you could have mentioned you had a mother. And I said to her, well, naturally, well, it wasn't about that. She goes, everyone talked about their mother. People thought you were an orphan. And I thought, later I said, ooh, maybe I should have mentioned my family. And when I was sitting there and I heard Dan talk so highly of his family, and then I heard Glenn speak of his family, I thought to myself, hmm, it's good I came last. So I am from a family of eight. <laughs> There is my mother. We went to Catholic school. I grew up at uh, St. Ferdinand's, Belmont and Central. Uh, went to Mother Garen. And then my mom, with my younger siblings, moved north. And now she's in St. Juliana's. I'm in St. Juliana's. Uh, seven, six out of the eight siblings live off of Tui Avenue in different parishes. Two are in St. Mary of the Woods. Two, one is in St. Paul the Cross. And three are in... Um, St. Juliana. So, you know, there you go. All right? Okay. <laughs> um, I am principal at St. Angela School. St. Angela School is on the west side of Chicago. It borders Oak Park. So, I have been there 13 years, and throughout the years, when people have asked me, oh, you're on the west side, I always say it's the park bridge of the west side. It is um, very much as close to a family area that you can get on the west side. Our church closed uh, six years ago. And when our church closed, when I started St. Angela's 13 years uh, ago, there were seven parishes and they all sort of came together and it was called Wickham, West Side Catholic Educational Ministries. And I was involved with it from the beginning. And um, the principal at our school had been there uh, probably 15 years then. She was there a total of 26 years. She just retired. And her name was uh, Sister Mary Finnegan. And Sister Mary Finnegan, uh, St. Angela's was a Providence school. She was a Mercy. And the Providence nuns left, and she took over, and then she brought more Mercy nuns there. And when the church closed, people would say to me, Ugh, how is the school going to stay open? And it was very easy for me to say, well, we'll stay open. Sister Mary, she'll run it. And we did. And um, when the church closed, our enrollment did drop. And we went under 200. And in the archdiocese, when you go under 200, that's the red flag. And um, for a few years there, we would be waiting for Sister Mary to come back from the big meeting from the archdiocese to see if we were open for another year. And um, in the past three years, our enrollment then started to grow. Uh, Sister Mary left last year. We knew she was going to leave, so it was a very smooth transition. I had the year to, um, to learn everything that she did that I had no idea that she did. And uh, our moment this year, uh, last year was 270, and my goal was for it to be 300. So if we could just make it to 300, I could really show everyone, yes, Sister Mary's been there 26 years. Yes, everyone knows her in this area, but we can make 300. And we made 300 by June, and throughout the whole summer, we went and we went and we went. And the last Catholic New World, granted it was page 25, 
but we made the new world, and it was because we made uh, we reached 400 students this year. So we jumped from 270 to 400 in one year, and that's huge in the archdiocese to do that. And it's huge to do it without a church, without a pastor, without that support. So us making that page 25 in the new world was like us making the headlines of the Tribune. Believe me, we were very happy with it. And um, Saint Angela went. Years ago, it used to house a thousand students. So, in some ways, with us celebrating 400, it seems sort of hmm. But in those days, too, because I'm so young, but in those days, they would have sometimes 40, 45 students in a class. Whereas now, we max it out at 25. So, but for us, we were we were very proud of that. And uh, we were fortunate because when our church closed, we still get, did get support from the archdiocese. Uh, Big Shoulders, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Big Shoulders, they are a fabulous, fabulous organization, and they really stood behind us. And it was because of them and with the Archdiocese, and as Glenn spoke, it's getting out there and it's getting the support. And that really is what makes us run, is the support. Um, when I first started at St. Angela, I was at Help of Christians, and halfway through the year, Help of Christians closed. So in October, that was it. They said, okay, there's a position open at St. Angela. And at all these meetings, Sister Mary would talk, and she would at the end pray, and she would thank us for our ministry. And I would always pray and be respectful, but I always thought, it's not a ministry, it's a job. You know, but that must be the nun in her saying, it's a ministry. And it amazed me, as the years went on, how it became a ministry for me also. And I can't tell you when it happened, how it happened, but it does happen. And I think that's what this in-service or this session is about, is when your job changes for you. And even though you can't really put that, pinpoint the exact date or time, but it does happen. And I was fortunate, and I feel blessed that I was able to be part of this whole process through St. Angela, because it definitely made me who I was, It really who I am now. Um, if there were three things I learned from St. Angela's, the first is patience, and if you talk to any teacher, they're patient, but when you become a role of an administrator, you sometimes have ideas and you think this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to be. And Our students, it's 100% African American, we're 95% uh, at the level of free or reduced lunch, so that means that our parents, they're low income. And you have to be patient with our parents. And you hear my sister Patty right there teaches at St. Juliana's, and sometimes she'll say, well, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. You would love to do that, but it just doesn't work right now at our school. Um, when Glenn was talking about teaching kids outreach, last year that was one of my, my goals. You know, we have sharing parishes, Mary Vernon, St. Thomas of Villanova, and I thought our kids don't know sometimes how fortunate they are. So I decided we were going to rent a bus, and I was taking our honor roll students to Misericordia, uh, which is also another Mercy organization. And I wanted them to see what Misericordia was, and then we were going to participate in the candy days. And we were going to get the smacks, and we were going to go downtown, and we were going to collect money for this organization. So our kids could get that feeling of giving back. And we went on the field trip, great day, they thought the pool was terrific. One boy asked me if he could have his birthday party there, so, you know, I felt okay, they really got a lot out of it. And we went and we collected money, and it was a great day, and on the way home, this one boy, Carl, he looked at me, he goes, Hey, Miss O, what does that man do with all the money? And I said, the man? I said, what man? He goes, Mr. Cordia. 
And I thought, wow, I really got through to them. <laughs> so I know that even though I think that I'm doing a great job, I brought them to Misericordia, they got to see what, you know, uh, a whole city within a city, and they got to see that we can give back, that the whole time this boy thought all that money he was collecting went to a guy named Mr. Cordia. So it taught me a lot about patience, and I might be ready for them to do things, I might be ready for our, our parents to maybe make changes, but I have to be patient. So that was definitely one. Another thing would be respect. And um, the night that, you know, I met Jeff about talking, he said, what are you going to, what are you, what, what's your message going to be? And I thought, huh, and I had just gotten back home from work. And I said, one thing is uh, for my job is you have to respect, you have to respect students. They figure it out. They know if you're just there. They know if you don't respect them. They sense it. They're, they're smart creatures. And, but more so, you have to respect the parents. And for our parents, I mean, I tell my kids all the time, your parents are sacrificing to give you a quality education. They could send you to the public school right down the block. They're doing this. They're making a choice. And also, as an administrator, and even as a teacher, there are many times that you had to break news to parents that you knew right then and there you were changing the family dynamics. And it's difficult sometimes. And the night that I met with Jeff, he said, well, what, and I said, well, you know, today we had a girl who sent a boy, fifth graders, and the girl sent a boy a picture she shouldn't have on her phone. And I had to have the mom in, and the mom came in with a great smile on her face. She has three other kids. And I had to tell, well, I made the girl tell her mother what she did. And you watch a parent when they hear that devastating news. That's their fifth grade daughter. And she did something that you hear, and the reason they have them in this Catholic school is so they're, they're not exposed to this. And this girl did it, she did it at home, it was a Friday night, and she did it. And to tell a parent that, and to watch a parent's face, it, it's difficult. And then I you know, sent the girl out of the room, and you look at the parent, and you have to tell the parent, you know, she made a mistake, but you're her parent, and you have to love her. You still have to go home. You're going to be upset. You know, don't talk to her tonight. You know, figure out what you're going to do. But you still have to show love to this child because she made a mistake. And you know what? She's going to make more mistakes. And to be the individual that has to look at a parent and tell them that the child that they love just did something that they could never imagine doing, it makes you feel powerless sometimes. But also you do feel that you're adding something because you're trying to let the parents see it happened, it's done, now we have to fix it. So that respect for parents, they sense it. And um, you have to be able to say to them, they made a mistake, let's move on. So I, I would definitely say the second thing that I've learned at St. Angela is respect. And the third would be faith. You could not keep a school going within this economy with the church closed with enrollment that went under 200, without having faith. They having faith in people that want to hear the message, that want to hear the good things that are going on. And there are so many times that you're involved in something's going on, and we don't really refer to it as faith. The, the, I have a, someone gave me a plaque in my room, and the word is providential. And we use that word a lot at St. Angela. And if there was anything that I would hope that you would leave with, is the meaning of that word to us. Um, this past weekend, our sharing parish, as I said, it was Mary of Vernon in Vernon Hills. I'd never been there before. I knew that there was shopping around there, but I had never really been at the church. 
and um, I had to speak at all the masses and I to thank the parishioners for the support, the tuition assistance that they send. And at the first mass, it was Saturday night, and this young man, probably 30 years old, had two little kids, and he was standing in the back of the church. And as he was leaving, he stopped and handed me a sheet of paper, and it just said his name and a phone number. And he said, I don't have my checkbook. Call me on Monday. I want to help with someone's tuition. Okay, you know, I put it in my, my pocket. And uh, Monday morning, a mother came in. Her daughter last year, she was a student at our school. She had a brain tumor, and she was operated on at Children's Memorial. Over the summer, she was in summer school, and we found out she had to go to Boston because there was some treatment that she needed, and she had to um, have this treatment in Boston. So she didn't start school. She came to see us before she left. We had a fundraiser to give the family some money for Boston. Not a lot. I, I think we raised $400, but it was from our students. It was from their heart. And uh, the mother came in. Well, when the mother sat down, I thought, ooh, I filled that room. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have to talk to the teacher. I'm going to have to get an assistant in there to help with the girl because after the treatment, I knew it wasn't going to be an easy transition. And as I'm talking to him, and the mother looked at me, and the mother said, she can only start half days, the doctor said, for a month or so. And the mother looked at me, and she said, Miss O, we have no money. And I said, no, no worry, just, you know, here. Pick up the homework on Wednesday, have her start on Monday, we'll figure that out. And uh, she left, and I thought, okay, now i got to break the news to the teacher that she's getting another student. And um, I saw the number, and I said, oh, I'm going to call the gentleman. And uh, when I called him, he said, I want, tell me a family now. Tell me a family that I can help. And I said, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> it almost sounded like chicken soup for principals. I said, <laughs> I had a family. You know, when you're reading the chicken soup and you really don't believe it happened, this was really it when I was on the phone. I go, look, I, you're not going to believe this, but I had a family. They just came in, and I said I wasn't sure when the girl was going to be able to come back. She was in Boston, and I sort of just gave him a two-minute summary of the story. And he said, all right, how much, how much is her tuition? I said, well, you know, we're not going to ask you right now for it. We'll let you decide. He goes, no, just tell me what it is till December. I can at least help till January right now. And I said, okay, well, till January, it would be, till the, well, the end of the year, it would be $600. He said, okay, um, I'll send that $600 today. And I said, you know, really, I feel bad, you know, because I would rather send you the video, like Lenny, give him the whole spiel and everything. And he said, nope, I'm mailing the check today. And this was on Monday. So I had met him on Saturday, and this was on Monday. So I called the mom. And I said to her, look, I'm just telling you, we never give a free ride at St. Angela. That's sort of our, our rule. Everyone has to give for their tuition. But in this case, with them being in Boston, I felt that this is the one time, it was the Sister Mary rule, you never give a free ride. But I was giving them a free ride until January. So I called the mother and I said, you're not going to believe this. It was providential. This, this man called and, and anyway, she's like, Miss, oh, what a blessing. I went home and I talked to my husband. We didn't know how we were going to do the tuition. And so I was happy, you know, I had a smile on my face, you know. And it was Monday. Well, Tuesday at 11 o'clock, the check came. Now, in the Austin area, it's a mail vortex. Some days you don't get mail. Sometimes your mail is sent to Young School. Sometimes your mail goes to the person across the street. You just don't get mail. When you call the post office, they say, we don't know what happened to the mail. I talked to him on Monday, and it was there Tuesday at 11 o'clock. I actually looked at the stamp because I thought maybe the man delivered it from, from Libertyville. But we have no mailbox because at the school, I guess schools don't have mailboxes. 
and it was there on Tuesday. And when I opened it up, I actually got goosebumps because I said, how did it get here so fast? Nothing gets in Austin fast. And I only talked to him Monday. He never met me till Saturday. And he said, here's the check for Jamelia until um, for the end of the year. I'm picking my dad up at the airport. His name is Doctor, and he gave me the name. I know he'll cover her tuition for the rest of the year. How do you describe that to people? Like I said, chicken soup for principles. But we, don't, we really don't say that's faith or always meant to be. We use the word providential. It was providential that that man was at that mass. It was providential that that mother came in Monday morning at 9 o'clock with her daughter and me and her saying to me, I have no money, that I actually went and saw the thing and then I called right away. How do you describe that to people? How fortunate I am to be part of that because sometimes I don't know if I believe that story. I would not believe that that letter could come here from Libertyville on Tuesday. How do you, what, what do you tell people? And that's where I feel that faith comes in. But that word providential, many times you'll hear it, our staff will use it, and they'll just say, Ms. O, it was providential. And it was, what it means is it was meant to be. Can I explain how it happened? Can I explain about the spirit that brought that letter? I, I, I can't. And you sometimes you're a loss of words, and you're talking to parents, and you have to have faith when you know they didn't make, make, meet all their tuition requirements the year before, and they come to you, and they look at you, and they say, Miss O, I can't send my baby to the public school. Don't make me do it. I promise I will pay you. And you have to look at them, and you have to say, all right, but you really have to follow through. And you look at people, and you're, you're just saying, because sometimes other people say, don't do it, don't do it. And from my mom, I learned, you, see, mom, again, I said, you always give people a second chance. And... I, I mean, the word blessed is how I would describe my experience. And when I was at St. Angelo for those 13 years, 10 of those years, I worked for CPS. So for me to become principal, I had to leave CPS. So I was a public school teacher in the Catholic school. It was a great gig. I mean, really, you couldn't beat it. <laughs> so when I left CPS to become principal this year, people said, you're leaving CPS to become principal? And I said, yes. And there were a lot of people who thought I was wrong, but there were a lot of people who thought I was right and said, you do what you have to do. And it was the best decision I ever made. And that is where faith meets uh, your profession. That's where it is. So, does anyone have any questions? I see, did you know Father Carl Murillo? Uh, yes, yes. I saw him in New World, like his grammar school, he's passing out of St. Giles. Right. And they were one of the top two grammar schools. He was a Blue Ribbon School, they call it. He came to our school and uh, very nice man. Yes, he's a very nice man. Yes? Yeah, you have two great writers from St. Angela's graduates. Number one is Andrew Greeley, yeah. and number two is Liam Ford. He writes for the Tribune. He's a journalist. Oh, I'm going to have to Google that. You should talk to the gentleman from Midtown. Liam graduated from Northridge with my son. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. oh wow, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah, he went to Harvard. Really? Yeah. And what was the name again? It's amazing to see with St. Angelo's where people went after St. Angelo's. There's a lot in the Julianas, there's a lot in Park Ridge, there's a lot in some of the western suburbs. But it is interesting to see the patterns of where people moved from St. Angelo. But St. Angelo is a very unique parish. The alumni are unbelievable. And yes, they're different students than when they were there, 
but they still have this, this sense of pride and that that was their parish and they come back and they're very supportive of our school. Very. Um, that's interesting. It's, it's changed over the years. Uh, this year, about a quarter of them are planning to test at Fenwick. Fenwick, Pats, Trinity, um, they, they look for the Catholic schools. We do make sure of our students that graduate that when their siblings are still in the school, because we found the pattern that people, when their older child had to go to high school, they would sometimes pull out their younger child because they couldn't afford both tuitions. So we do have a scholarship program, and it's called the Siblings Program, that if the parents are paying for our high school tuition, then we really try to help them with their grade school tuition because we feel that they're making that sacrifice. Do you have a high percentage of uh, Catholic kids in your school? No, I was, we're about 10%. 10%. But when our church closed, we did build a chapel in the school, and our kids uh, go once a week, you know, each grade. And our kids, I, I also... Uh, work in a religious uh, education program in Bridgeport and they're the religious ed kids from that area that go to Chicago Public Schools and our kids who aren't Catholic they are so respectful and they know all the prayers they know all the responses they don't get communion but the priest will come up and they each get blessed so they do participate in that Thank you. All right.